This is Jamie. This is Dave. We're from Reading Beer Festival. And you're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. Hello. I'm Hugh Fort. I'm Tom Canning. And I'm Jacob South Klein. Welcome to the episode 16 of the Real Reading Podcast. We're recording this on Wednesday the 1st of May, and this week our special guest is the Reading Beer and Cider Festival. The whole festival is our guest this week. <laughs> Can't fit them around the table. No, I know. Well, we, we've tried to, but they're all over there. Um, if you want to get involved in the show, you can follow and write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. You can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast. And if you're able, please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, as well as the interviews from the Beer Festival this week, uh, when I'll pop down to the site and have a chat with a few people, uh, we have all the usual features, including what we've liked this week, and Fort Explains It All. Now, you may have noticed, Jenny is not here. Uh, Jenny's off this week. She's decided to have some time off, which is great for her. Lovely. Leaves us missing one person, though. So we have invited uh, Mr. Bushwatch himself, Jacob Southcline, back, um, mostly because he's really easy to get hold of, and he works, <laughs> works just down, down the road. road. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm seemingly always sort of as on emergency calls. I'm trying to uh, fill the Jenny Slevin-shaped void on the pod this week. You do, you're doing very well. You've Thank got, you. You've Thank both you got good much. glasses, so that, that helps. <laughs> Remarkably upbeat for a man who watched Reading FC. Yeah. Oh, don't. Well, I've spent the week in this sort of fugue state of trying to block out the memory cube. So the less said about Saturday, the better. But yeah. Obviously. Well, well, well the, I don't know if you listened to last week's podcast, but I made a very confident prediction that Reading would easily get at least a point from the game against Ipswich and everything. Easily. Would be absolutely yeah. fine. He's this no, would be a completely dead rubber, this game. He's no fact. Mark Lawrence in his youth for no. say that much. No. And in fact, it's actually uh, squeaky bum time a little bit. So <laughs> the odds are in, in the favour. So let's just address the great big Reading FC question and then we promise listeners that we will mention no more about it. Jacob is not really here to talk about <laughs> Reading today, mostly because he looks so sad when he does. Yeah, so. yeah. I know a podcast isn't really like an audio-visual medium, but if you could see me now, listeners, uh, I'm painting a picture of despair. Yeah, it's um, not happy times to be a Reading fan. So uh, under instruction not to speak about Reading, it's really a bit of a blessing. Um, I'd rather not. Yeah. So, okay, Jacob, um, every time we have a guest presenter, which I think has happened twice now, uh, we ask them what three things they love about Reading. So you've written down three. Have, um, yeah. Talk us through them. So, uh, to be honest, we were having this conversation off air. Um, I'm not a very good Reading Reading. <laughs> I can't pronounce the name of where I live. I'm not a very good Reading citizen because um, I don't get out of the house that much. And when I was picking my brains... Uh, as to my three favourite things. I really called upon my favourite things in life and then sort of <laughs> tried to apply that to the town, which is my abode. And the first thing I pulled out of the hat was uh, the Blue Collar Food Market, which for those who aren't aware, is a weekly food market held just outside the central post office near Forbury Gardens on a Wednesday um, afternoon. And uh, the, really, that was my lifeline at work, uh, being able to sort of get to the midpoint of the week and knowing I could go for a five-minute walk down the road and then gorge myself on halloumi <laughs> and falafel. Uh, if you cut me open, I'd probably bleed, uh, uh, well, of uh, this liquid combination of halloumi and falafel from the blue-collar food market. So I'd hardly recommend that, folks. 
Yeah. Yes, the the blue collar food market is a is a particular favourite of you and I. So we've had uh, Glenn Dinning who oh. runs the festival. They're not the festival. Um, he runs the <laughs> Cheese Feast Festival that was yeah. up recently. Uh, but he runs the blue collar food market. We've had him on the podcast, and he's he's great value. Um, but yeah, I mean, going down there is certainly. We've discussed this at length, haven't we? Here, and we we it's, tend to try and do this as regularly as we can. <laughs> it's it's tremendous fun. It certainly uh, beats any kind of meal deal. Um, oh yeah. Completely. You know, and it's 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 nice to go down there. There's a real atmosphere around the place. There's some lovely smells as well. Oh yeah, it's, it's, it's a real soul on the senses all yeah. around. To be honest, well, yeah. it, well, it does. It's heighten um, the the problems people do have with making decisions <laughs> because everything seems nice. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but we we we've tried a good a good range of things from there I think so yeah. yes I think so it's, but it is great what, what was your favourite one when you were down there well f- for me I'm in a bit of an interesting position because for those of you that do not know because Bushwatch keeps his dietary preferences to himself usually but I'm a vegetarian mm. and so I was impressed actually at the array of vegetarian uh, well food down at the food market there's a lovely stall that sells vegan boxes I've had a couple of times aubergines and stuff um, there's uh, well, you can't go wrong with chips, and there's a fantastic <laughs> German stall that does the um, chips and bratwurst sauce and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but my personal preference has to be the Lebanese wrap stand, and I oh. wish I could remember the name of it. But they, it's great. So they do do a non-vegetarian option, which has chicken in it. If you have chicken and halloumi in your wrap, they call it a chalumi wrap. If you have falafel and halloumi in your wrap, they call it a falloumi wrap. So, you know, 10 out of 10 for the wordplay. Fantastic. Um, but it's great. You get to have this, um, I wish I could remember the name of it. It's this Lebanese sauce made of um, seeds. It's creamy and nice. And I'm really letting myself, <laughs> really letting myself down here if I'm not remembering what it's, what it's called. Tahini, that's it. Tahini. Okay. Really lovely. Nice tahini drizzle or a balsamic glaze. Uh, you've got to try it out, folks. It's, it's great. The smell, the bustle around the um, place outside the post office on a Wednesday is great. And they play a nice assortment of tunes, too. Yes. So it's a, it's a real wholesome experience all around. It has just occurred to me that when I introduced this podcast, um, because I'd seen the words Blue Collar Food Market and I was thinking of Wednesday, when I introduced the podcast, I said Wednesday the 1st of May. Uh, it's in fact Tuesday the 1st of May, but yeah. I've seen the words Blue Collar Food Market, everything's gone to Wednesday, and that's how, that's it, that's it, how that, impressed that I am. That really is just a mar- an indicator of how <laughs> the Blue Collar Food Market is synonymous with Wednesdays. Yes. In so uh, I would definitely get down there, because like you were saying, it really does also break up the monotony of a meal deal. You know, food shouldn't <laughs> just be sustenance. Food should also be enjoyed. Yes. And I always enjoyed going to the Blue Collar. What was your second one? Well, if this isn't really an event or a um, an establishment per se, so I can't really plug anyone. But um, I've had to go for the Christchurch Meadows, uh, down past Thames Water across Reading Bridge. Um, it's, I've always found that to be my place to go. Um, usually with a couple of beers actually um, down to the river I, I like being close to a body of river and fortunately in Reading we've got the Kennet and on a nice day such as today again you can't see this because it is a <laughs> podcast but the sun is shining here in Get Reading Towers um, we, um, and also outside and yes. <laughs> not into yeah, the, the burning sun in the office uh, no, so whenever the weather's like this I'll always go down to the river in, in Christchurch and it's great. You can have a walk. You can sit on a bench. You know, all real like lo-fi <laughs> stuff. 
Um, drink a beer. Uh, you always get the occasional jogger, cyclist. It's great. Um, so I, I feel like one thing that a lot of people say is good about Reading, which I agree with, is that you don't really have to walk far in any compass direction to come across somewhere nice outside of the town centre. So obviously the town centre is a bit industrial, lots of office buildings, but in five minutes you can be down by quite a large green nice park uh, next to a river, which I think is quite unique. Yes. Um, yeah. It does get when when it does flood as well across <laughs> yes. the meadows, it floods like yeah. bring swimming no, trunks. Yeah. Nowhere else. The yeah. uh, the picture we've got of the Loch Ness monster they've got in the playground <laughs> is a favourite of a favourite of mine. Um, it, yeah, so it, it is a great. The, the, the yeah. parks are mm. a, a great asset. Yeah, and you are right mm. to to have the sort of slightly more rural yeah. uh, areas within within a few minutes walk is a very good thing. It's not, not often highlighted about Reading. No, it's so not really. I mean, where where I grew up in uh, Bracknell, as I've mentioned a few times, it, it's as much as it's noted, it was noted for a terrible town centre. It was always also well noted for how green it was. Mm. Um, I don't. I think it was probably more noted for the terrible town centre, but obviously <laughs> that's not the case anymore. Um, uh, yes, people's people's opinions of Bracknell um, is something for another podcast. A yes. very long podcast. I get very uh, very annoyed about it. Uh, <laughs> we'll do that at some other the, point. The real Bracknell podcast. The podcast yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and your third one, Jacob. Uh, so this is quite uh, topical, really, because it's just been and gone. But not many people do know that there is a second festival in Reading, other than Reading Festival. Um, well, but if I can just add a third festival, because oh, we've got Ready Pop Festival well, there we last week. Yeah, see, this is why this is why we've got three of us on because <laughs> I've, I've just forgotten a full third of the uh, festivals in the town. But the the one that I've had to pick out is Are You Listening Festival or A Y L question mark Festival. Um, it's it was on over the weekend. Um, it's a fantastic, fantastic event. Um, it's tickets are sold in aid of the charity MenCap which is a fantastic cause. They, I believe, one of you will have to correct me on this, they say they are the voice of those with learning difficulties? Voice of learning disability, yes. Learning disability. And um, it's, it was a sold-out event this year, amazingly, which is, how, which is really an indicator of how it's grown over the past few years. But again, similar to the blue-collar food market, it's an event which gets the whole town bustling because the um, acts and musicians are playing at multiple different venues simultaneously across the town. People have to migrate from one place to another, and there's a real liveliness and excitement, I think, about, about the place. And another thing I appreciate about it is it's very Reading-centric in that 70% of the acts are local Reading talent, um, which promotes um, musicians from the area as opposed to just sort of renting a high-profile, yeah. fantastic musician from elsewhere. So um, if you haven't gone this year, I believe that tickets are on sale for it next year at a discounted rate. But for, I think for like 20 quid a pop, it's like all the music you want to see. Um, so fill your boots, people. I would definitely recommend. There is a, The music scene in Reading is definitely alive and well. Tom and Hugh. Excellent, because I think the music scene in Reading is something that Hugh and I are very, very uh, unaware of. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I noticed the room go quiet, or yeah. like even quieter when I mentioned <laughs> the festival, yeah. 
I think it's uh, certainly the music scene in, in town is something you have to get out mm-hmm. and see. It's not something that comes to you, and you have to get out into town and, and go to it. And unfortunately, that's something uh, I'm always too busy in the pubs and looking at and, and, and talking about the pubs and how good the pubs are. And mm-hmm. I think Hughes are often very good at talking about how good his own home is. Yeah, um, I, can, I can appreciate both. I'm normally at Reading Borough Council. <laughs> <laughs> well, pub life, home life, and yeah. Borough Council life, you know, it's quite a spectrum. Yeah, um, Which I, I, I know Reading has a quite highly rated music scene, but unfortunately I can tell you more than that on that, <laughs> but I'm aware of it. <laughs> well, uh, that's, that's the start, I suppose. I mean, we do have several good venues, smaller venues and more intimate venues, you, you must say, but what I think Are You Listening Festival do well, uh, is that they take advantage of all the venues that the town has to offer, and very well, I think. So, so yeah, that I, I, in terms of my three things about Reading, I feel like food, grass, and music sort of plays into my own like, <laughs> life, um, life um, enjoyments. Yeah, and I suppose Christchurch Meadows fits in quite nicely with a little bit of uh, pre-season training for the transfer window. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, as you may know. To those who do follow Bushwatch, and poor you if so, um, I'm not much of a footballer myself, so I won't be having a kickabout in Christchurch Meadows. But there is a lovely selection of foliage I could um, I could practice my uh, spying <laughs> from. Uh, but I will stop there in case we get done for libel. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> um, cheers, guys. Uh, on to what we've liked this week. Hugh, talk us through your big like, and I'm going to sigh greatly when you reveal this. It's the start of the cricket season. <sighs> <sighs> Although, while the game of cricket was played, it was played in conditions where no one should ever try to play cricket. <laughs> it was we played off the ground called Stoner. Some many people will probably know it. It's Stoner Park, which is a kind of mansion house on the outskirts of Henley. The cricket ground is opposite there. It's right on top of a hill, <laughs> and I don't know if anyone can remember what the weather was like on Sunday. It was cold. It was not glorious sunshine. No. It was cold. And this particular cricket ground has a uh, arctic wind that whips away at your uh, at your clothing and certainly your morale as well. <laughs> um, it was the coldest I've ever I've played cricket for twenty five years, and it is the coldest I've ever been playing. Um, it was absolutely freezing. It was it was uh, it wasn't particularly enjoyable, um, but. The season has now started. The weather has improved quite a lot, and the forecast for the um, weekend is much warmer. Mm. A, uh, according to Mini Heatwave, and something I wrote this week, <laughs> people instantly jumped upon me for it's possibly exaggerated, but it's going to be sensationalist headlines. Yeah, yeah it's going to be very, it's going to be very nice this weekend. And the, the, the you know, it didn't rain the weekend, so yeah. there would have been many people playing cricket in those conditions of the weekend. All. all um, I mean, mad keen, mad, um, and frozen to the core by the end of it. I mean, I, I assume, obviously, make you feel better, you won. No. <laughs> That's pretty okay. decisive, wasn't it? <laughs> I, well, I, okay, fine. Um, I mean, you hit a good score, though. I did, did reasonably myself. My team, which includes our Ring FC writer, Jonathan Lowe. Yep, um, man of the match. Who was man of the match for... 
I won't go into that, but I got ball <laughs> runs and he did. He looks um, like a cricketer. You know, he's got the build of a cricketer. He's, he's got the build of a cricketer. He has an uncanny ability for a man who's probably about nine stone wet through to be able to clobber the ball a fair old way. And it's, it's all in the arms. It's arc. quite surprising. Yeah. And he's now got a very bent bruised finger like a yeah, uh, cricketer as well. So That was for about throwing the ball around before the match. <laughs> <laughs> it's karma. So he played through the pain barrier, so no he wonder he won the yeah, man yeah, of the match. Yeah, yeah, I might have motivated him more, you know. Yes. Yeah. This is true. He's, he probably thought, it's freezing cold today, it's pretty miserable, but I could be watching Reading instead. Which oh, yeah. put this and there we go, nicely <laughs> back. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. Driving me even deeper into my pit of misery. Uh, Jacob, what have we got? Uh, well, as a nice segue on from Hugh's remark about his washed out conditions, um, I've been enjoying the intermittent bouts of sunshine this week. I know it's a bit boring, you know, me talking about the weather on a Reading themed podcast, <laughs> but it, it, I've I kind of forgotten what sunshine was like, to be honest, folks. It felt like winter was never going to end. And then, as of last week, it's almost like someone somewhere accidentally lent on a thermostat and we had a scorcher for about three days, didn't we? It was gorgeous. Wasn't it blistering? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, folks, I would not talk about the sun unless it was like proper sun, and this was proper sun. Um, And I've appreciated it more because this week... It feels like someone's lent on the other end of the thermostat and someone accidentally turned winter back on. So it was really a case of enjoying it whilst it lasted. <laughs> but um, it, it was great because I don't know about you guys, but my entire mood and demeanour is lifted when it's sunnier. You know yeah. what I mean? It might be different if you're locked inside and you're having to look at it from outside a window. Yeah. But I do like those very rare winter days where you get where it's very, very cold, but like. Also yeah, sunny, bright sunshine, you know, crisp, crisp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's, you know, if there's snow on the ground, nice settled snow. No, <laughs> no. What, what it makes you miserable? I always think is either that kind of sleet that's horrible, yeah, and the, the biting wind yes. as well, which we seem to have most of the time. Oh yeah, the, the, it's it's constantly windy at the moment. If it's still and bright but cold, I can just about deal with that. But if it's then. The wind is then blowing that cold into my face. Hugh <laughs> yeah, on the Weather Channel, you know, it's, it's, I really, really paints a picture. It's great. <laughs> I mean, also, what I I agree with you, Hugh, because I am a cold blood by nature. I was born in the winter, probably die in the winter too. Um, that sounds morbid. Um, <laughs> wow. But, <laughs> on a but, cold um, Tuesday night away. <laughs> but I, I I do like the crispness. I do like the contrast. I like the sort of like warmness of the rays but I don't want it to be like muggy because then you can't sleep yep. so that's I feel like that's the, the token weather discussion out the lovely way. Good I, man. Good I've man. really been enjoying the sun so what we've learned is we both have the British attitude to the weather where there's one type of weather we quite like but it has to be not too cold not too that's hot it. not too wet not, right. too, not too dry not yeah. too muggy Goldilocks weather yeah. Yeah. so the perfect summer's day is yeah. what, what we're happy with absolutely so my my uh, the thing that I like this week I spent the weekend doing DIY in my house uh, painting a certain room that has been uh, under under work for uh, at least nine years uh, <laughs> certainly certainly especially since the days that Hugh lived with me um, and that so that's coming on and largely I got this done at the weekend with my with my wife we both got on with it because neither of us wanted to do it over the bank holiday weekend which is traditionally Absolutely. your DIY weekend so uh, we got that out of the way early. 
So that, that was the thing that I liked. Unfortunately, I haven't really been out into Reading no. in the last week, and it's just uh, just a bit of time spent at home enjoying the, the peace and quiet, really. Mm. Did you do the classic thing where people do, do which my girlfriend always does when she paints rooms, is uh, finish it, and then so she doesn't like the colour. Oh, yeah. No, because this is white. Year, the nine-year cycle starts again. <laughs> Reminds me of a particularly horrifying occasion in my household as a child when I returned home from school and my mum returned home from work, which for her is also a school. And um, the kitchen had turned green. And there was my dad stood in the middle of the kitchen with this. And I don't just mean green. This is the most, like, toxic, swampy, lime <laughs> green you've ever seen. Like, eye-bleeding green. Um, and um, it was revolting. And my mum, I think, threatened to leave him. So, um, <laughs> so unless your DIY was of that calibre, Tom, I think you've done pretty well. No, no, week. painted it white. Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. You know, it's nice and nice and. <laughs> you know, you're investing in your home. You're investing in yourself by spending time in the home. Exactly. You know, it's, good. it's good. Thanks, guys. Uh, now it's time for Fort Explains It All. to be talking about something that a lot of our readers seem to really, really like and not be affected by in any way at all, which is the seemingly constant roadworks on Bath Road. Can I sigh deeply again? <sighs> yes, we've all, we've all seen them and we've all been stuck by, by the temporary traffic lights on the various fairly short stretch of road they seem yeah, to have been Yeah, it's in the same place. It's almost... I mean, they are in slightly different places, but they're almost always in the same little bit of road. It is, yes. It's the stretch between the South Beef Eater and Castle Hill. Which yes. Is about, what, two miles, maybe? Oh, if that, if I would that, say, yeah. So what, what's going on with them, Hugh? Well, Thames Water is uh, it's a much maligned company, much criticised and maligned company, um, but it doesn't have a very easy job in that in the, all, all the pipe, a lot of the pipes underneath Reading are very very old and because they're very very old it doesn't take a great deal for them to burst um, and of course the nature of water pipes is that they're under the ground and so if they burst and start leaking water yep. one it's very it wastes lots and lots of drink, drinking water two it probably doesn't do much good to the to the uh, uh, the earth underneath the road but three and this is the main problem you have to dig up the road to mm. repair them and this work in Bath Road um, has been going. It's not the same work, but it, it, it had, there has been work in Bath Road since November. So the one, the first lot of work in November, we had this, this seemingly quite ridiculous situation where they dug up the road, identified they needed a certain type of pipe, which then had to be specially made in Europe, Belgium, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was Belgium, yes, yeah. and um, that took ages, and so people. People's fury at Thames Water tends to become tends to come with the fact that they dig up road, put up a load of um, roadworks, temporary traffic lights, and then no one is to be seen. Yes, and that's my current fury. Yes, at the moment, uh, <laughs> I drove past there at ten a.m. Sorry, everybody, I'm going to go off. On. <laughs> I did warn you before. I, I went past there at ten a.m. this morning. Still, no one there. What's right. going on? Okay, well, carry on. Sorry, I think I don't exact. I don't know the exact reasons why they weren't there this morning, but certainly they. I think their policy is they don't have workers they're doing nothing because yeah. they, they're obviously not just working on Bath Road they're yeah. working all around the very large area of the um, of the south that they cover um, 
so there's this ongoing and it's an ongoing thing they, there's a there's emergency works pipes burst all the time they know all the pipes are old um, so they're replacing them as well in sort of more coordinated work and um, also what they say is there's this absolute maze of pipes underneath particularly under Bath Road mm. um, and so it takes a lot of work to work out which ones are need replacing and which ones are leaking and it doesn't sound very easy um, but people get very frustrated with it um, this particular work um, has been extended which again isn't going to uh, cut much weight with the drivers of Reading but what they say is that they're using um, they're using this particular project to carry out some more work which is preventative work so they're gathering data and put, installing some sort of technology under the ground which, which get, gives them early indications as to uh, leaks but also the possibility of leaks and what they hope is that um, this will mitigate the need to dig up the road again um, or reduce the amount right. of time. Whether that works, we don't know. There's no, as far, as far as I can see, there's no, there's not, not a lot they can do if these these old pipes burst, which yeah. which they will do, particularly if there's a particular. I think it's a shift in quite a big shift in temperature if they go very very cold. Yeah. And, and and that's obviously part of the weather conversation we've been having. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. It's not an easy job. They've had running. They have, they've had a running with the council already about not about emergency work. I think the council sort of realises there's not a lot you can do if there's a if there's a water leak, but about the more coordinated work. Mm. Why, why, when, and when they choose to do work in certain parts of area which cause cause these traffic problems. Um, so that's that's an ongoing thing, um, and I, I think it's just about better coordinating. The projects yeah. they, they want to do rather than the work they have to do and it's all very frustrating and like I say particularly to see if it appears there's nobody there but it's it's not simply a case of having you have to explore you have to do exploratory work and then you then have to find the right bits to put in and, and it, it all takes much longer and than than they would like I'm sure so yeah I, I'm not saying that they probably couldn't improve what they're doing but um, I'm also just wanted to get out there that it's it's not sort of open and shut mm. patch it up and go yeah. away again I mean I, I guess the the, the, the the key frustrations are um, it seems to a lot of these seem to take a long time and that coupled with there seemingly being no one there for either reasonable reasons or unreasonable reasons um, that's the kind of thing that just drives people absolutely crazy. Yeah. Um, and coupled with the fact that the traffic lights went out on Friday night as well. Yes. Didn't yeah. help. The, the issues with temporary traffic lights are yeah. fairly fairly constant, and you you would hope that there's technology available yeah. that, mm. that but that means it doesn't happen. You know, if it happens on a sort of Friday night, yeah. Or uh, yeah. and there's no one there. Yeah. And, you know, the council say Thames Water are out to go and do this, and people just start jumping the lights and. Um, from either end, it leads to yeah. And of course, where they are, where they are, particularly on the Bath Road at the moment as well, they're not phased with the lights on no. Barclay Avenue, which no. causes even yeah. further issues. And you need to go about five yards. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the the general frustration uh, I think is you've you've put is that um, the the sort of the the coordination and the design of these things, every, I think you feel could be better, mm-hmm. and that's probably where. Uh, where a lot of the frustration comes in allied to the fact that they seem to take so long and there doesn't seem often to be anybody there as I've said for sometimes good reasons and sometimes I think the other issue as well this is a utility issue rather than Tetsuara is that it sometimes appears 
to be the case. I, I you know, um, I don't know if it's if it happens as often as we think, but Thames Water finish one project and then Southern Gas Networks yeah. start another project on you know half yeah. half yeah. a mile up the road and you get more work like that and people think oh it's Thames Water again yes. and, then, and then you realise it's not and it's someone yeah. else doing doing a different type of utility work but it's all under underground so. and you and you wonder why they can't all get together and exactly. go right I'm yeah. digging this yeah. up do you need to do anything and yeah. I think on the the, the road work the Thames Rally, Thames Water roadworks at the moment they do. It does clearly say it's Thames Water, mm-hmm. and I think that does seem to be happening a little bit more. Yeah, that there's people have said it's being told, but you know, why can't those people then work together? I don't know. I would possibly just issue the caveat that potentially doing gas work and water work at the same time present, <laughs> presents, presents a, a, a myriad of health and safety issues, which could be why they, 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 this maybe I would hope that in this day and age that if, if joint working on these things was possible they would do it and I just wonder if that is hmm. there is like a reason like but there, there road are, work hive mind but the cynical part of me says they're all called corporations as yeah. well and so yeah. they've all got they've all got yeah. you know they've got to make money yeah. and, and have their own agendas in terms of what they're doing anyway so I think for me the frustration doesn't come down so much as to what they're doing now but it's the proliferation of it over time mm. it feels like this has been going on for months I mean I, mm. it's I think he's very you know nuancedly is that a word I don't know very um, presented a detailed picture of what's going on but to the average person who has to commute every day to and from down the bath roads it's the fact that this has been going on way before December yeah. way before December we're looking at really like six months of separate individual yeah. stuff and, and over time that, that that just does wear you down it does um, I suppose we don't know if they'd have just done all of these at the same I know one was an emergency one mm. but if they'd have just done all this at the same time but then you'd have had a huge long road full of roadways would, would that have been better maybe not. And I, I, know. I know this is probably Gallo's humour, but it does seem really darkly fitting that loads of waterworks are happening on a road called Bath Road. It's a very like water themed like state of affairs, really. <laughs> um, I hadn't thought of that, yeah. <laughs> it's like, what if there was this like, mass case of arson on a road called like Inferno Street or... Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. not for a second suggesting that that ought to happen because that would be awful but uh, and there, as far as I know there isn't an inferno street in really but um, Bath Road Waterworks man yeah very fitting uh, yeah and the other, the other thing that you happen that, that drives people mad in Reading with regards to the whole the whole um, roadwork situation we're talking about Bath Road specifically now but you have works in Bath Road and then someone does some other road works in, say, like Working Road on the other side of town and, and then someone sets up something that's potentially small in Cambridge shuts off a lane mm. somewhere or something and then it's like the perfect storm of road yeah. works. Yeah. It just causes a, causes total gridlock. Yeah. Feels like um, Reading's in the iron grip of yes. Thames Water. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah and um, <laughs> and um, it's, again, a question of the overall coordination of um, mm. this this work if why potentially if you've got a, an emergency repair going on in Bath Road and some planned electricity work that can be done at another time yeah. in Caversham why does that work in Caversham still get carried out at the same time as yeah as and the, everything grinds to a halt yeah. I don't know the answer to that but um, <laughs> it, it seems I'm looking through the eyes of 
the layman, um, it, I, the, the frustration and fury of, of trying to get around is, yeah. is very much. I think, always, there's, some, there's always something, isn't there? There's very rarely yeah. not something happening. I think the, the clear answer really is to uh, jump on our old friends, the Reading Bus. Well, actually, you say that. This oh, is where we go. we go. This is where I can come in playing devil's advocate. So, uh, to those of you that won't be aware, which is everyone really, uh, I've recently uh, started alternative employment somewhere out in the dark reaches of Abingdon, and to get there, it's it, not even in Berkshire. I know. I know. I'm, I'm rebelling against the. Uh, I know. Very, very um, disloyal of me. Um, I know. So, but to get there, I have to get a bus from my place in Burfield out into Reading, get on a train in Reading, get it to Didcot Parkway, and then get on a bus at Didcot and get it to Abingdon. Now, the part of that journey that took the longest amount of time, believe it or not, was getting from Burfield to Reading, which would usually take 20 minutes. took me an hour on Thursday. Which is bonkers. Because you had to go along the bathroom. Correct. Correct. And the thing is, my bus in particular, not to like name drop any particular buses, but it is the number two bus. The only way I can get into Reading is along the bath road. That is like the major Mm. artery. So if I were to select like one road where I would least like waterworks to be, (laughs) it would be bath road. But, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles. And I guess we've just got to suck it up. But it's painful. There are more more bus lanes coming to uh, Bath Road in the near future, which means yes, it's Christmas. Bus travel should become a bit quicker, although you will eventually come across those roadworks and the free traffic lights. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, good things don't last. Thanks, guys. That was great. Uh, any feedback on, I'm sure, uh, if we were ever going to get feedback on anything, we haven't had feedback for a while, actually, but if we were ever going to get feedback on anything, it may well be about roadworks. Yeah. We had a little bit on the After Dark, didn't we? We did. On Twitter, a lot of supporters of the yeah. After Dark Club mm. welcoming those plans being pulled again. Um, yeah. Nothing has been resubmitted yet. It won't be for a while if it does at all. So, mm-hmm. um, what, what I said last week still stands. If you want to the after dark today, you need to go to it. Yeah, yeah. we'll um, we'll do a little, maybe do a little bit of a roundup on the after dark next week, perhaps. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> Say what you like. Um, got a pre-recorded interview now uh, from the Reading Beer and Cider Festival. Um, roll the tape. This is Jamie. This is Dave. We're from Reading Beer Festival. And you're listening to the Real Reading Podcast. I've come down to Christchurch Meadow to meet with Jamie and David, who are two of the men behind Reading Beer and Cider Festival. Um, Jamie, David, how are you doing? Pretty good. Yep, good. Lovely sunny day, so I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> so, David, just tell us about your involvement here and what, what goes on. Uh, so, I'm the festival organiser, so mainly I stand around and look good after everyone else does all the hard work. Jamie? Uh, um, I'm one of the beer orderers, so there's myself and Ricky Moisey, he's responsible for the local part of the beer order, yep. and I'm responsible for all the other beer throughout the country. And I've just seen you trying them all, so you were a little bit tiddly this morning? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, it's 11.30. I was going to say, yeah, it's, it's 11.30, right? 12 o'clock somewhere. Crazy. Yeah. 
So d tell me about Reading Beer from Cider Festival for anybody that's not been before. Uh, for anyone that's not been before, so this is our 24th year. Uh, we are now very, very large marquee in Christchurch Meadows. So it is huge. 150 metres long, um, so it's probably the biggest bar in the country at the moment. <laughs> uh, we we basically are a campaigning um, tool for camera, so that, uh, a national campaign organisation for uh, drinkers' rights, mainly beer. Um, and it was set up to effectively rescue real ill from dying a death yeah. and taken over by industrial just mass manufacturing <laughs> and it's done its job well we now have huge numbers of breweries in the country the best for a long time so nationally a lot of the local branches will set up a beer festival and we're, we're really designed to make sure that we can get as big a range of traditional uh, beer and cider styles out to the public and let yeah. them try them so we've got more than 550 different casts of real ale here um, we have a very large selection of ciders um, and then we're doing key keg this year as um, a first for us so still real ale but in a different format it's more like an industrialized version of um, a wine box so we we've had uh, Dan from Lodden Brewery on previously uh, we've had the guys from the Grumpy Goat on previously um, and I know Dan has talked a little bit to to some of our listeners about key keg can you can you just explain kind of the difference between key keg and 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 what you would normally expect it from a, just a tap from a barrel Jamie Okay, so we've got casks and key kegs here. Yeah. Uh, the cask is obviously just a stainless steel or plastic container where the beer is put in. Generally the beer is put in flat and then it secondary ferments, builds up its own carbonation within its uh, vessel. Then it gets tapped, spiled and served from there. The key keg is a difficult one because it's got the word keg in it to yeah. start with and that's kind of something that a lot of camera members kind of shoot a sideways glance at but actually as Dave said it's kind of a modified bag in box system so the beer goes into the bag itself to start with um, often goes in flat sometimes it goes in um, pre-carbonated but often flat uh, then it has a secondary fermentation going on inside that bag uh, which means that as a dispenser you can't really affect the level of carbonation that the brewer has decided to put in there uh, then it has one air line in, it's just compressed air, no beer gas at all. Uh, that then squeezes the bag shut inside a capsule and the beer comes out the other end. That's, that's all there is to it. Uh, <laughs> the only difference really is that no air touches the beer at all. So right. no gas, no air, it's just a bag being squashed. Yeah. And there's, there's some really, really interesting flavours mm. and, and stuff going on. Can you talk me through some of the, some of the beers you've got over there? Because some of them look really interesting. Yeah. Um, the interesting thing about Key Keg is that it allows brewers to be slightly more experimental with their styles. The, the one disadvantage of a cask beer compared to a Key Keg is that once you have vented it and let the gas out, um, it's, you're then sort of sat on a slight time bomb. You've, you've got kind of a few days to serve it before it begins to go flat. Whereas with a Key Keg, uh, it, it actually lasts a lot longer although you don't benefit from that nice cask conditioning yeah. sorts of flavours. But we do have off the top of my head, um, beer from Wild Child, Siege of Khartoum it's called, and that's a peanut and banana porter. Blimey. So that's not going to be to everybody's tastes, <laughs> but at the very least, uh, here it's going to uh, sell like hotcakes. Something very, very different. So, okay, so it's obviously, it's a beer festival, it's a cider festival, lots to do, lots to drink. Mm -hmm. Not everybody's going to be coming down for a drink now, are they? So what, what have you got in place for anybody that wants to come down and just, just have a lovely afternoon at Christchurch Meadows? Well, we, we sort of are trying not to just be a place where everyone comes in and drinks. Yeah. Um, so, uh, particularly on Sunday, we, are, we have a, a smaller choice of beer. It's usually that's traditionally a family day. 
so we've got a lot of children's entertainments and yeah. people can bring along their kids um, we usually have a children's play area for very small children there's face painting and usually you know the, um, people going around making balloon animals and this sort of thing so we, we try and keep children up right yeah. for the adults uh, Friday we have bands all day so it starts off acoustic background music yeah. um, in the middle of the <laughs> afternoon heading up to your traditional loud rock covers bands yeah. in the evening and then Saturday is the same so we have two different sessions on Saturday and they follow the same format we during the afternoon we've got quieter bands and then later on more, more noisy yeah. and, and people can have a dance and sing along at the front that's, that's, it, sounds, it does sound really good. It, it's one of Reading's biggest events, I'm sure. It's certainly, um, outside of obviously Reading Festival, uh, it certainly feels like, and it, you know, it looks like it takes an awful lot of organisation. When, when does that start? <laughs> it depends uh, who you ask. Really. <laughs> the the organisation for next year effectively starts during this year's festival, right. realistically. Um, we work out what did and didn't work, we'll have wash-ups and find out what didn't work, and then we start planning again. Um, the earliest anyone was on this actual site this year was more than a week ago. So we've had, um, on the Sunday, we marked the site out. Two days later, they start laying trackway. So we've, we've, we've already had people on this site um, living on it for seven days now. That's quite a long time. Yeah. And, um, and other people aren't as involved as much at all. Not, but people like the beer orders, I mean, they've, they've been sitting, um, look, <laughs> looking through what's available. Um, and that's been a couple of months now. Yeah. The site team, because we have to order marquees and trackway, I mean, they've, been, they've literally been working on this since August last year, somewhere around about then. So it is very, very long process. Yeah. So I guess obviously JD sitting ordering beers. How do you, what, what, how do you decide? I mean, I know you said you order the ones from slightly further afield, but do you do you go to the pubs? Do you check them out, or is it just literally looking online and seeing what's available? Well, I couldn't possibly hope to try all 552 beers before I buy them. Sounds like um, a challenge. Though. It does sound like a challenge. Probably a challenge that I will fail uh, at <laughs> miserably. Um, but in in some way, it's like going to a restaurant where you're given a menu and maybe you'll pick something you've had before and you know that's going to be yeah. reliable, you know it's going to do well uh, but also maybe you may go for something that sounds interesting or sounds good yeah. um, I, I work for a brewery myself so a lot of the further afield beers I've built up contacts over yeah. the years so I can call them up and ask them what have you got that you can send me down and then work with my wholesalers to get it down here Okay, so finally, my final question um, to both of you beer you would recommend and so I'll tell you what I want what I want is a beer for a newbie someone coming down to the Reading Beer Festival for the first time and uh, a beer for someone who's up for trying something a little bit different and it can't be the peanut and banana one you've already said that's not for everyone though no this yeah is you're true. asking for something this for a true. newbie yeah something for a newbie straight off yeah that's a difficult one um, <laughs> you're asking us to pick from a list of yeah, yeah. and also in which style I mean we've got stouts porters males Bitters. We even have real lager this year. Yeah, um, so that, that's, a, that's a really tough question. I think, um, I, I think in terms of something that will probably suit all palates in the specialities is probably Downton Chocolate Orange. Yep, or um, Bingham's Vanilla Stout. And Bingham's Vanilla Stout. Big fan and, of that. And, and yeah. actually, if you like di- dark beer, Bingham's Vanilla Stout may actually be a newbie beer. Mm-hmm. It's got a really, really nice smooth character in it. I think locally, one that I've been always really impressed with is Vale Gravitas. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's an incredibly well put together beer for, for what it is. Um, 
we've been through all of the casks this morning and <laughs> yeah well no actually, actually for a newbie beer I would go for that straight away That's yeah. a, that is really good Vale Brewery Gravitas yeah yep. Lovely. yeah it's, it's won quite a lot of awards at our yeah. festival in the past and it's a really good staple excellent so uh, I mean I, I suppose I know I said that was my final question I've just thought of another one um, so how many how many people are you expecting to come down over the weekend especially with the sunshine uh, just shy of 14,000 so we should have about 13,800 yeah. people and that's, a, that's over three over the three days four days four days so of course, Thursday, yes, sorry, Friday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday yeah <laughs> so somewhere about that so the the most we'll have on site at any one time is 3,400 for when we're at capacity Friday and Saturday um, late on um, obviously things that Sunday's much quieter but we'll have a we're never quite sure many people here because we don't count the children yeah really, as like, like paying customers so. <laughs> So I guess just to just to wrap up, this definitely is my final question. What is your favourite thing about the beer festival? My favourite thing is so um, this is basically planned, organised, put together, built entirely by, by unpaid, mostly local volunteers. Um, my favourite thing is just before we're ready to open, um, having a look round and thinking to myself, "We did this. This yeah. is actually pretty awesome." fantastic i couldn't agree more there's something about that that really makes it all worthwhile um maybe once we're set up and i'm kind of off duty standing on a chair somewhere and looking out at thousands of people all trying different new beers that sort of thing especially when you hear people going oh i didn't think i'd like that but actually this is really up my street now so changing their minds and 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 bringing them into into the different one guy one year who asked if there was any lager and um, (laughs) and i took him to where we don't have it this year but we had um harrison shahalian which is a real lager and I gave him a pint of that and he drank it and quite enjoyed it and he came back and said well what would you reckon in next and by the end of the day I had him drinking a porter <laughs> and he thoroughly enjoyed it but that is a success yes that is the spirit fantastic. of the festival right yeah, there fantastic. yeah fantastic uh, Jamie, Dave thank you very much for agreeing to be on our podcast no uh, and I look forward to seeing you over the weekend yep cheers thank, thank you this is Jamie this is Dave we're from Reading Beer Festival and you're listening to the Real Reading Podcast So that was our interview from the Reading Beer Insider Festival site. Um, I must confess, uh, at the time of recording this part of the podcast, I haven't actually recorded the part of the podcast that involved going down to the beer festival site. So, um, which is the magic of technology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I, I just, uh, talking to Jacob uh, before we started recording that, Jacob has never been to the Reading Beer Insider Festival. And I feel really guilty. Because I sort of, observe ob- ob- start again. I've observed it from afar... I've seen it happening in the distance and I thought I should really go yeah. to that. And, and you I like beer? You I like do it? like beer. Tom and Hugh will both attest to my love he of likes beer. beer. Um, I am, and even, even cider. So, oh. um, you know, beer or cider, I don't really mind, you know. I've been and I don't drink yes. at all. I think I dragged you, didn't I? I made you go. Yeah, you made me go, yeah. yeah. Did you have to watch Tom drink? Yeah. Is that what you did? Yes, and I can assure you he becomes a lot less interesting. <laughs> <laughs> if that is even possible. Yeah, well, <laughs> um, I, I just, if, if I, I, so if I can just uh, advertise the beer festival to you, Jacob, I guess. Mm. Um, it's brilliant. Okay. Um, I say it's brilliant about a lot of things on this podcast, but it, it really is. It's absolutely enormous. 
Um, the tent they're putting up at the moment is is probably one of the biggest tents that you've ever seen. Ever seen yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I mean, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different beers uh, in this tent from local and from afar. It's great. Recently, there's been a lot more local beer mm. being brewed, so there'll be a lot more breweries there, which is great. Um, the entertainment's great. The you know the like there's live music. There's great food, um, and it's it's I think times I think maybe it can be a bit expensive to get in but you do get a glass sure. a proper commemorative glass and you do get beer to you get free beers with that as well so that does that does kind of um, that does kind of help with the price but that does sound up my metaphorical street you're doing a good, a good sales pitch yeah. I mean the thing I guess the, the thing about it is that the trick I would say is to either go with uh, thirds or quarters uh, thirds or halves in terms of what beer you're having mm. just so you can try as many different ones as you possibly can that's the beauty of it variety is the spice it of is. People. And you, you yeah. don't need to get completely sloshed to have a good no. time it's just uh, and if you do you can have a good time too exactly but, you know, it's you know, keep an open mind but no I, I would definitely go down now you've said that I mean I was pondering it before the pod but you've solidified that belief of mine good well I think we're going down on um, on Friday so I'll, you're I'll very welcome to join us I do us. owe you a beer Publicly, I've got that on record now. I do owe Tom Canning a beer, so I'm going to have to follow up on that now. So I think I also owe you a beer, so let's just <laughs> let's just call yeah, it well, call it that. It's, it's one one, yeah. Um, so uh, that, well, that that was the Reading Beer Festival, and if you're going, please do. If you recognise us, say hello. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, come and say hello. If you don't, um, don't. <laughs> Um, simple. Something along those lines, yes. Um, it is random question time now, Jacob. I don't know if you're familiar with the random question, but no, we have I'm quite afraid actually. Okay, no, it's okay. It's just. Uh, oh, I wonder if it was in the mug. Yeah, the so we've I got. Love I love reading mug, which you'll see on the front of a lot of the uh, a lot of the pictures. Um, and we have some questions which we've put in, and it's just uh, they're just general questions, and it's sort of uh, like reminiscing, really. They like spin the bottle. Yes, but, yeah. except without having to snog you. <laughs> <laughs> don't know whether to be disappointed. or <laughs> Too much beard. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, today's random question is, famous person you saw in town? Oh. Okay, I've got one. Okay. This is not really B-list or even C-list. That's fine. B-list, but is it A-list? Um, who's the bloke that used to present Rogue Traders? Oh, Matt Allwright. Yes. yes. Right, it? yeah. Okay, so Matt Allwright, you may know him. You know those <laughs> little sub-sequence on Watchdog? Uh, where they they go around like busting all like these cowboy builders and you know folks like that. Uh, it's great fun. Um, I mean, it's it's obviously awful, but simultaneously really satisfying to see these criminals get caught in the act. But he was filming inexplicably in Forbury Gardens. Yeah, underneath wow. the My Wand Lion, I believe it's called. Um, they had like his, he had his whole posse with him, all the cameras, all the microphones, whatever. And he's quite a small man, I think. I didn't really recognise him at first. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit like Brad Pitt, in that you don't realise how small he is until you see him in flesh. Um, but uh, me being me, I bottled it completely and didn't go over and say hello. But I really, I, it was like seeing a, a, a hero of mine, really. In terms of like in being an investigative person who goes around on a motorbike, you know, busting petty property crime, um, you can't really... 
get much bigger than him. So his co-presenter got done for benefit fraud, didn't they? Oh no way! Yeah. They should have him on rogue trading yeah. <laughs> in some capacity. In some capacity. <laughs> yeah. If he turned round and go to him, <laughs> it was you. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm not very much mistaken, Matt Allwright's actually from round here. Really, I believe. I yes. think he lives on the outskirts of Wokingham somewhere. Yeah. I, Hurst, I, think I want to I, say. I want to say Hurst, but I also don't want to reveal too closely where he, where he lives in case. Yeah. He's, he, oh, so you haven't got any feedback on the pod for ages. You're yeah. now going to have loads of people turning up outside. <laughs> complaining. According to his uh, Wikipedia page, he was born in Wokingham. Um, and he was educated at two independent schools in Reading, in, sorry, in Berkshire, the Dolphin School in Hurst, oh, yeah. and Reading Bluecoat School in uh, Sonning, mm. where he was the head boy. Oh. Yeah, no, I've got beef for Bluecoat. Okay, all right. We used to have this thing at school where whenever we'd go on a school trip and we misbehaved, we'd say we were from Bluecoat. <laughs> and whenever Bluecoat went on a school trip, they'd say they're from our place. <laughs> so um, that was always exciting. As I've been saying that about rogue traders, um, I know this is a bit of a, an untidy bushwatch link, but um, after Nigel Atkins got sacked by Reading, I ran into him and his son in Specsavers on Broad Street, <laughs> <laughs> browsing for glasses. And he was a bespectacled man, let's not forget. But um, having encountered him twice before, once on bushwatch and once in the car park of the Medeski with his wife after Accrington Stanley under-18s, because I go and watch under 18 games, apparently. <laughs> um, I thought it would have been a bit cheeky to go and talk to him a third time. So those what, are my two. Was he making a very positive decision or glasses he, he wanted? I, mean, I don't want to be positive. Don't want to big himself up, but I think he might have clocked me and then left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no, that bush watch lad. Right. Hugh, what have you got? Um, not a great deal. Um, I, I once saw Timmy Mallet <laughs> in Broad Street. Um, he, in, it must be. I think he was in the Panto many, okay. many years ago, and um, I I walked past him. He wasn't in his kind of wackaday gear, so I. It was one of those ones where I was like, "You look like I've just done a head movement for anyone listening. You, you look, you stare at someone and move your head very slowly as they walk past you, and then and then I realised it was t- it was Timmy Mallet. Um, in in other celebrity spottings, not really. The loads of loads of footballers. Um, I saw James Harper, the old regular oh, yeah. fielder, bouncing along through the town in a pair of massive Reebok pump <laughs> trainers. Um, he's very, very, he's very short. He's short, shorter than I am, um, which I consider to be very short. I'd say um, you're more dumpy than short. Oh, nice. Dumpy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. I, like, no, I like to say I've got a low centre of gravity. Fair enough. Um, I also sat in Nando's where Nicky Shorey was having his having his dinner, and what I noticed about it, he didn't have any chips. Oh. He had a lot of chicken, yeah, because he's a professional sportsman. Yeah. But he, he chose not to no have carbs, chips. no carbs. Yeah, yeah. and um, he went on to play for England. He did once, once uh, against Brazil, I believe. Lovely, yeah. So that's all I can think of. Um, Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> just verify. I, mean, I was yes. trying to to broaden my um, my uh, my experiences to the greater Reading area, but um, I can't think of that either. Back, back to Timmy Mallet Land. <laughs> um, yes, thank you. you really <laughs> Sorry, I'm just pulling you back. You, um, my first lap of university, I did the student radio there, and famously, Timmy Mallet's media career started on the student radio at oh. Warwick University. So there we go. 
Yeah, lovely. I feel like I've come from the school of Timmy. Yeah. Well, that was uh, that was this week's random question, which was a famous person you saw in town. Um, do feel free to let us know any famous people you've seen in town. Um, our events this week. Now, Jenny normally does the events. We've invited Khadija Taboda down, who is the Get Reading What's On reporter, and she's just going to shimmy over just while I fill this dead space. Um, I have and arrived. is just going to... Khadija, just introduce yourself. How are you? Um, I'm good, thank you. I've done a lot of podcast listening, never podcast involvement, <laughs> so this is great. So um, you've got uh, three events for us. Yes, it's actually quite a busy weekend, which is a good thing because it's bank holiday, yep. obviously. You want to be doing plenty of things. Um, well, get started then. Yes, then go for it. The Vaisaki Festival, which is happening in Reading, so... Not the best thing for motorists, but other than that, it's an extremely great festival, really colourful. Is that the one with the big swords? It is, it's the one with the big swords, there's swords, there's, um, it's like a, it's basically a religious procession. Yeah, it's a Sikh festival, Sikh festival, yeah, yeah. Um, and they'll be going along the roads, um, a lot of songs, prayer, and yeah. they're handing out free vegetarian food as well, yeah. so I think... Get Jacob's in, well in yeah, there, yeah. right up my street. Yeah, I think everyone likes a bit of free food. So I will be there nice. now you've said that, yeah, what, thank uh, you. What day's that? So that is on Sunday, May 6th, and that's Great. running from 10.30 until about 4pm, so there's plenty of time. Um, to meet them along their route. Um, so, yeah, they start on Cumberland Road at the um, the, the Sikh Temple. The Lovely. Quadruple. It's really, really spectacular. It is. It is. They're all dressed bright orange, aren't they? And uh, just, It's not even just orange, it? it's bright colours. Oh, that'll so, just be pictures I've yeah, seen. So for the um, the people that are involved will be wearing orange. I wow, think, okay. Traditional colours, but um, in terms of all the people that are attending, which I expect about thousands of people yep. will be um, involved. Many, many, many colours. Great. What's the second one? Second one is something that I'm looking forward to indulging in, which is the Maple Durham Food Festival. It looks yum. Mm -hmm. Um, So they've got a massive food festival. It's from Saturday, May 5th, until Monday, May 7th. I've been to that. Have you? (laughs) Wow. Is it it, it as good as it sounds? I mean, I don't want to put anyone off. Yes, it's it's a really nice food festival. There's loads of really interesting... uh, Grub there, but there's also it's in a really nice setting as well. Which yeah. is, where, where if it's is the one I'm thinking of, I can be talking about another <laughs> thing. It's at Maple Durham House. That is correct, um, that's where it's where been hosted. Which I believe they've filmed a number of TV series there in the past. Yes. Um, and it's a great setting. It's yeah. got like. Uh, they used to film the bake off at Maple Durham no House. No way! Yes. Oh, claim to fame for yes. Maple Durham House. Tom, if you could just Google that to make sure. <laughs> He's coming carry, on, carry on, carry on, I'm doing it right now. But I. I'm sure they did. I'm sure it was the original series of the Bake Offs were, were, were there. Um, it's a great event. Um, I can't tell you. Can... I can tell you a bit more <laughs> about, the, about the prices. Um... Um, yeah, so it's about it's seven pounds for adults, uh, six pounds for seniors, and children up to the age of sixteen pay a pound. Oof. So it's not that bad. No. I mean, it's a good way to spend time with your family. There's loads of free. Um, classes, tasting sessions and free things for kids to get involved with like cooking classes and games and food labs and I don't know if you um, have younger brothers, sisters, children but uh, 
food labs are fun. We've Watch worked together movies. for quite a while now, but you still don't know whether I've got children. <laughs> <laughs> you might just be hiding them, you. Know? To the whole Not podcast listening audience. Yeah, but, you I, know. yeah, I haven't. Sorry. At this point in time, I am unwedded and unchilded to say, but you know, unbrothered or sisters? No, they they're doing their own they're thing, but I'll see if I can convince see. them. Yeah, yeah. There are some here that um, have younger. <laughs> Siblings will yeah. enjoy this for me. I mean, Maple Durham as well is a lovely, lovely neck of the woods. And if the sun is shining like it is today, um, I can imagine that being a really, really great thing to get down to. Yeah. Yes, we do think it's going to be quite nice weather this weekend. So that's a surprise for a bank holiday weekend. It's nice to be covering uh, stories in Maple Durham which don't involve the row over the, over the height school as well, which is the main, <laughs> main thing we cover Definitely. in that area. Um, just on the Bake Off thing, I can't actually find any mention of Bake Off. They've purged um, it from the records. However, I can find Midsummer Murders. No oh. surprise there. What a show. What a show. Um, Hunderby, which I believe was a recent, relatively recent comedy series, I think. And the all-time Michael Caine classic, The Eagle Has Landed. No way. That's the one. Yes, we've got some old photos of that as well. If you, uh, if you Google that, uh, you'll find our, our, one of our old stories. See, now I need that. to double-check what, what it. Michael Caine. Record, though, yeah, it's not bad. There's, there's a load more than that. Um, Khadija, what was the third one? I had no idea about any of these uh, filming events. But um, we've also got the Wokingham Mayfair, which is run by Wokingham's Lions Club. Um, that should be good. Despite Elmsfield being closed, it's relocating, so it will continue. Um, and that's on Monday. Um, Peach Street and Broad Street will be closed to like allow the 120 stalls to be set up and have people getting involved in. This is a good event section for me because I've been to the working <laughs> loads of times. It's on the street. <laughs> Making me a bit jealous here. Continue. Tell me more. It's it's a really big, enjoyable event. It's the town gets absolutely crammed with people, and um, it's and uh, to not have Elms Field. Um, due to the uh, we won't get into the Elmsfield debate but due to due to it being closed off um, a lot of the quite a big um, part of the the previous events have been on Elmsfield and certainly it'll be interesting to see how they how they deal with not having that area um, because you, you, can, you know it is really really busy it's probably Wokingham's that and the winter event that they do is probably the two biggest events in Wokingham and you know there's loads it's quite quite kind of old fashioned there's a lot of sort of it's a very traditional um, Mayfair um, but you know there's food drink um, events all that sort of thing it's, and, it's, it's, circus and circus well. performance and is there a stage as well yeah there'll be a stage yeah. with um, music and um, yeah I've been there I've covered it loads of times and it's always so yeah and this year they're raising money for um Thames Valley Air Ambulance and Alexander Divine Children's Hospital Service, which is in Maidenhead. So, um, Great, two good causes. Two, yeah. two good causes, so thank you very much for popping down Khadija that was great you're very um, welcome thanks for having me now get back to work yes <laughs> oh. um, if you want to get involved in the show you can follow and write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod you can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast and if you're able to please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts uh, if you know anyone who you think would be great to interview for the podcast please do let us know uh, the only prerequisite is that they must live and live or work in the town and they must love Reading as we all do um, next week it's Rodri Buttrick from the Stand and Deliver Comedy Club which is above Smoking Billy's in uh, I want to say St Mary's Butts near yeah. the Allied Arms that's correct yes um, and that, that's really good I've recorded that one already so in a rare case of being organised I've already recorded that so that's ready wow. to go um, 
that's all for now though uh, enjoy everything you're doing this bank holiday weekend we'll see you in a week bye bye this is Jamie this is Dave we're from Reading Beer Festival and you're listening to the Real Reading Podcast we'll be right back